Welcome back to Squawking Dead. Cue normal intro in three, two, one. I feel like you, me, and Carol are trapped in a particularly suspenseful set of episodes, taking place in both the present and the past. We've now witnessed the murder of both Mel and Ennis, proving to us that maybe their philosophy of always being on the move wasn't as great a strategy as they thought it would be. In actuality, they oddly proved Madison right all along, that being inside the walls, upholding the values of charity and goodwill, might have actually been the way to go. It's funny, our instinct given our history with The Walking Dead is to swear up a storm when we see abject hopefulness that oozes from Madison, the Clark clan, and the rest of our group. But at the end of the day, isn't this the message Carl tried to impart upon us anyway? Isn't this the vision Rick and Michonne tried to uphold when they started settling into Alexandria after surviving so much brutality in the wild? In the end, the main fear The Walking Dead characters seem to get it right away, without having to get into two excruciatingly drawn out all-out war seasons. And I think I know why. Unlike most of the characters on The Walking Dead, the war that every character has been fighting even before we meet them is the one they've been waging within themselves. The apocalypse merely nudged them over their initial obstacles, forcing them to finally confront this inner war, taking casualties along the way as they trudge through the conflict after conflict, facing it all head on. And in season four, at least in the past, they've beaten it. And maybe Mel was right to come when he did, saying from the moment we met him that they now have to take their growth and test it against the next level of turmoil and see how they hold up. Almost every one of them falters, some more than most, but in the end, they find a way back. Even Madison, in this episode, slips, but realizes her mistakes and the beauty in her wrongness. Now, I know we don't see eye to eye on this, but that's why we're called Squawking Dead. We say our piece, sometimes meet in the middle, and ask tough questions, like, well, like we're about to ask soon. (laughs) And like every episode, I hand the mic over to the ammo in my gun, the knife to my throat, and the nails safely hammered in my two-by-fours, Carol. Ah, well, that is true. This is called Squawking Dead because we may or may not have similar opinions. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. That's right. You like hate the Clarks. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. You you know what? It's, gosh, I I feel horrible saying that because I know a lot of people will be like, you're not super into it. You weren't really into it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. That's very true. Now, Now, that aside, all that. That aside. Three years. This this is the thing. I went into this episode with the whole, how is John Dory? What's happening with John Dory? And this episode really had very little to do with John Dory. Essentially, he's in the same position he was. (laughs) Lying down. (laughs) Lying down, still in the same position, life hanging in the balance. Nothing got resolved with John Dory. It was my main kind of focus going into this episode. So I was kind of like, okay, fine, I get it. We're getting more background. It was interesting in the sense that it kind of informed me to like, okay, this this season is going to be about a much bigger issue rather than this group versus that group. Because like you said, Ennis and Mel are eliminated. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. So what else is there, right? And I've mentioned this before, the whole comparison to Garrett and and, and Terminus, where you kind of thought, Gareth, yeah, where you thought it was going to be a much more formidable threat and it was essentially eliminated in a couple of episodes. (laughs) Yeah, like two or three, uh, Yeah, really. Was there a season in between that, by the way, if I remember? I feel like there was. Like they end off meeting at Terminus? Yes, they ended off at Terminus at the season finale of, I want to say it was season four. four. Yeah, I think it was four. (laughs) And then the season premiere of five was basically they went into 
determinism blew it up. <laughs> right, right. Carol shows up and all hell breaks loose. Yes, exactly. Carol, Bazooka, Terminus, and blew it up and happened all in one episode. And then I think that they weren't fully killed off and that happened in the next episode. But really, it took like two or three episodes and that was it and it was yeah. done. So yeah. I'll be curious to see what the bigger story is because it's clearly not just about like us versus them. It's like, no, there's more to this. There's only so many times that you can do the same trope of like us versus them, us versus them. My hope is like with the next episode to understand a little bit more of like the specifics to what happened to understand what is pushing Alicia to act the way that she's acting, you know, to understand better, like what is your driving force? What happened to bring you to this point? Because to be honest, I kind of felt bad for Mel. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's, I, that's the thing too. Yeah. You yeah. start to realize his humanity. Yeah. Like, and I've said this before, and I think I said this in the last episode, there was a level of anguish when he came out of that van and, and all of that. So, I mean, he's gone now, obviously, but it's like, I didn't see him as this one dimensional figure necessarily. That's just like, I'm evil and I want to get your stuff. You know, it's like, right, I'm, right. I, I, I think that there was a lot more depth to him than that. So I'm not understand where this bloodthirst is coming from necessarily from Alicia. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's coming from something that happened, but I don't know yet. And we don't know yet exactly the specifics of what happened. But for me, I'm already attached <laughs> to John Doria, Naomi and Althea and Morgan, that crew. Right. right. If I have to hear Strand talk one more time about how Madison saved him, I'm like, okay, I get it, dude. I get it. Yes, she saved you. She but do you get it. it? Did you know the evolution of Strand? I, no. I, I know. You know what's interesting about that? That is one of the few things that you will not really get from like a recap is basically, I don't want to say hating Strand, mm -hmm. but not really liking him. And what's interesting about the first three seasons, I mean, like you're talking about starting from season five of The Walking Dead or midway into season sure. five. And, you know, we haven't met Negan. We haven't really gotten to sympathize with an enemy. Not really. Mm -hmm. You know, Negan was the first step to that sort right. of. Right. Yeah. So you don't really embrace some of the poorer qualities of our heroes. So when Fear the Walking Dead came out and you, me you meet a character like Strand from the very beginning, almost, mm -hmm. he he's slippery. He's kind of, of a, slimy. Kind of a kind con of a man. And mm -hmm. when he's literally was a con man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and, and he has like loose morals and there's a, and, and it takes him a really, really, really long time to show affection. I mean, he shows it here and there. He shows it right from the beginning with Nick because he gets the kind of way he needs to be to get what he wants. And he's like, yeah, this kid's got it. This kid's got it in this kind of event, you know, this kind mm -hmm. of apocalypse kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the observation I want to make from the beginning because it is kind of significant to see Strand's evolution because mm -hmm. you see him going from this kind of guy who really, really only cared about himself at first. Self-preservation. Right. And then go moving on to caring about himself and Madison and, you know, by extension, obviously, I guess what's good for Madison, meaning her kids, is good for me. So I guess that's cool too. Mm -hmm. And then you get to this guy who is really, really into being more than who he is, maybe because Madison saved him, sure, you know, but it, it's 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 very interesting to see. And then now there's a bit of kind of subservience on his part when it comes to yes. assisting Alicia and Luciana with what they need in the in the present. And what's interesting about that is that it's like, I am all about realizing what you want done. And not only that, is that Strand has never picked up a weapon in the series. He's never hurt or killed anybody. Mm. I mean, I don't even remember. I mean, it must 
must have happened, but I can't recall him killing a walker. So he's never got his hands dirty, basically. Not at all. And that's his thing. His thing has always been wear the suit, let other people f- figure out a way to get other people to do your dirty work. Mm. You know, basically, all throughout mm. the series. Mm. And that's it. That was his MO. But now he's he's getting into the action. He's firing weapons. He's being helpful. It's like he mm-hmm. took all the good things in, in the past, like all his helpfulness, all his mm-hmm. goodwill and charity and all the stuff that he's learned from Madison, you know, being a better person inside the walls because she's around, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And he's gone next level in be- getting his hands dirty, you know, trusting mm-hmm. himself to be a good person or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But now he's doing this twisted thing of vengeance. Yeah. So I think the point what I, that I really wanted to make with this was because we caught up to the world of The Walking Dead, you know, we started to like our protagonists a little less, seeing the kind of ugliness that they can get to. And we start sympathizing with people like Negan, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we actually kind of get Strand after all these years that this is the way you kind of need to be. Mm-hmm. And so when you see him, first of all, pack away that car, that getaway car, the, the backup contingency in case the walls of the stadium fell. Mm-hmm. But And and, and, we, and you and me were like, oh yeah, I get that. That makes sense. But if you took us three years ago, we'd be like, oh, what a villain. You know, what, what, a, what a shitty guy. <laughs> that sort of thing. But we're conditioned a certain way. Yeah, so no, I ve- agree. It's very interesting how we've changed, you know, and, and we've ca- finally caught up to Strand. So there's a little element in us that can really get the series now. You know, we're yeah. finally at a point where we can get him. Yeah, no, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I guess maybe, I think it's hard because it's like they introduce these new characters that are so, again, like these over-the-top kind of caricatures yeah. that are just so darn likable. I wonder if the writers even knew that this was going to play out this like way. Like the impact of these the new Im- characters. The impact of these new yeah. characters. I've been wonder, wondering about that myself. I wonder if they knew that the characters were going to take off the way they did because John Dory has become like a fan favorite in very little episodes. Uh, he has accumulated quite a following. Yeah. Same thing with Naomi. Althea, not as much, but I don't think that there's been as much coverage of her in the show yet. So I, I think that's why. But these new characters have like really given the original characters a bit of a run for their money. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. and I don't know if that was something that they had considered. No, I, you know, and I wonder because I, it's something like if I if I had Andrew Chambliss in the room and I had to ask him one question, I'd be mm-hmm. like, did you know that this was going to have the effect that it was introducing mm-hmm. these characters? And, and I get it. They're kind of introducing these characters as, as a foil. I mean, mm-hmm. I think most characters on Fear the Walking Dead are a foil for the main characters. It's kind of like something I said in the first or second episode is that I feel like the most real people we will ever see on The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead are the Clarks and right. maybe Strand but and, you know, Luciana. They're like real people. They're mm-hmm. as real as they get. And I feel like everything around them from the apocalypse to the people that they meet, they're kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And there's a quality to that too. Like they yeah. may be real, but they have kind of a real, they have realer struggles. They have realer personalities. Mm-hmm. They react to things probably much in the way that we would, you know, if we had their damage. That kind yeah, of thing. no, I agree. And I think, I think it's the kind of mirror that in general people that don't we like hate. To, that we hate. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because I mean, it's the same reason that we get all uh, up in arms or whatever with Eugene. I'm like, you know, listen, I've said it many a times. It's like, we even all want to He's a bit ridiculous. Like he's even more he's, ridiculous than the Clarks. He's, yeah, but he's yeah. a bit ridiculous. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, look, you know, I think everybody loves to kind of think that they'd be Daryl. I'm like, no, but the reality is you'd be more Eugene than Daryl. The reality yeah. is that you're not going to be like on a bike, one arming, <laughs> shooting walkers. Like, I mean, come on now, dude. Like, let's be real. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on, you know, listen, we'd all love to be cool like that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know if Norman Reedus is cool like that. <laughs> I don't I know. You know what? I think he is, though. 
Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I can always see him at home and on a couch with his reading glasses on. Do you, do you know that him and uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, they live upstate New York, not the Hudson uh, Valley, like the, the Duchess? Water. I think so. Yeah, like further up north. Like or Cal. maybe like Ulster. That makes more sense to me. Yeah, because they have land and property and they just like ride their motorcycles all around. What like if they're they, next door neighbors? No, they are. Oh, oh, sh- yeah. Okay. They are. He bought property. Or, I mean, you know, it's not like tiny little suburbs. So it's like they're neighbors, but there's obviously, oh, yeah. sure, you know. <laughs> they live in adjacent farms. <laughs> adjacent, exactly. Like adjacent farms. Jeffrey G. Morgan has like a hundred acre farm. And they probably yeah. have drone security too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but they like ride their bikes all around and whatever. So it's like, I think he really, <laughs> I think that really is who he is. The only difference between Daryl and Norman Reedus is that Norman Reedus, a- according to Jeffrey Jean Morgan in interviews he's done, he says, no, he is very talkative. Like, don't think that he's like on the show where he just grunts and snorts <laughs> and doesn't talk. Like he speaks. <laughs> a lot. A lot. So much that they had to create a TV show around it. <sighs> Uh, side note, I actually saw some, <laughs> there's always a side note with me, in the wake of all the news of Andrew Lincoln and all that, and the news that Daryl would likely be stepping up, there were there have been all these kind of clips and things from like, you know, seasons before. And I forgot about some of this stuff. I had completely forgotten about it because it's been seasons ago. Yeah. The whole Daryl-Beth dynamic and, yeah. and yeah. Daryl and Meryl. And like, I kind of remember, but I kind of forgot certain things, you know, I was like, oh man, he had some dialogue. <laughs> Some dialogue. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. You know what's interesting is that I, I feel like there should be a compilation out there of every time Daryl's spoken. And yeah, <laughs> there's some dialogue, but I feel like it could, it'll fill up only like a minute plus max. That's sad. <laughs> Just, sad. It's more funny that, yeah, it's it's sad to the point of being very comical. Right, exactly. Like, it's sad. It's, in, it's so you know, sad. It's comical. Yeah. Sad for us, but like funny for a viral video, which I mean, admittedly, like now that I've said it, I should probably do it. It, it might exist. I, well, if it, I, you know, if it doesn't, I'll just make it. <laughs> I have Amazon Prime. I have I have yeah. Fear the Walking Dead on demand. There you Let's go. do this. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, no, I... <sighs> But no, I mean, I think that the Clarks, like he said, it is. It's a it's a mirror to a more realistic portrayal of how the human element would react under these circumstances. Yeah, yeah. A lot closer, let's put it that a way. A lot closer. No, it's, for sure. A lot closer. Yeah. But, but, you know. But yeah, there's there's something else to that too, though. Okay, I'm going to give you the scene that really nails it. Okay. Is after the firefight in the beginning, uh-huh. and they figure out, hey, where is the one place that they can take John Dory with right sort of supplies it's the three of them you can see their three heads in a row uh-huh. they're looking like not determined and mean and, and whatever but they're like very cold mm-hmm. their faces are very cold and they're very dark mm-hmm. they're like yeah I know the one place that they be Strand says sort of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and they head out and it's this it's watching them have this kind of they look like Terminators you know they, they look yeah. T-1000s we need to know what in the world happened to basically push these people to this point because right now you, you're making me feel anguish and, and sympathize for who would su- who was supposed to be, you know, your villain. I, I actually felt bad for him being right. Alicia because I'm like, I don't understand where your rage is coming from, especially because he warned you all. Yeah, why, the, why the rage, coming. bro? Why? Why the rage? Yeah, like, I mean, he warned you all that his brother was coming and this is what was going to happen and he, he basically, like, you know, ratted his brother out to you mm-hmm. and gave you a running start mm-hmm. and you yep. decided not to. And you have this rage towards him, but it seems like, I mean, in reality, he, he kind of... 
wasn't really a, a major factor in all of this, you know? No. And, and his concern seemed a, a, a very legitimate emotional concern for Charlie. Charlie, how is she? Where is she? She's coming with me. She's always with me. And she, in turn, seemed to have a, a bond with him also. Yeah. You know? And no, and we'll definitely get to that. But I think the one thing that I wanted to impart with the T-1000 comment is that... T-1000. Yeah, is that I think that you're supposed to be like, what the fuck? Right. You, I think that's intentional. Mm-hmm. I think in a way, the contrast between the past group and the present group is so, so night and day mm-hmm. that you're supposed to be frustrated. You're supposed to be frazzled. You're supposed to like, I, I don't know about to the point of not caring. I mean, I, I've been invested, so I kind of like, I'm more concerned than anything else. I'm like, if it was Morgan, this would be a pretty dark place, a, yeah. dark, <laughs> a dark and crazy place. I, I know I'm not right, but I'm not wrong or right, whatever exactly. it is. That, yeah, no, that was such a great saying. I love that saying. So I print that out and put it in my cube at work. It should be one of those inspirational posters. <laughs> but without Morgan, it'll be just like a waterfall. <laughs> I'm not. It shouldn't have a head photo of Morgan. I know I'm not right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Or like a, not like the cat hanging from the wire. Exactly. Not the cat hanging from the wire, but Morgan. Yeah. Well, see, I was, I was figuring just swap that out with like a, like a landscape of a, of the Himalayan mountains or something. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And then it'll be signed on the bottom right, Morgan Jones. Morgan Jones. <laughs> Sounds like an artist name. <laughs> anyway. It does, doesn't it? Morgan Jones. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad I actually got that observation out about Strand. And yeah, I kind of no. want to address that right away because there is something to the way he used to be. And then, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, we, I, we will definitely get to Mel because I do want to, I want to explode that point eventually yeah. because there's a turning point and it, it's something that I suspected right from the beginning. But okay. yeah, it will get there. But yeah, I started watching the episode a little tiny bit late. Oh, so like you the, didn't see the first the, scenes? So when I rewatched it, I, I finally saw the film. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. The flashbacks. The little, the little silent, completely silent flashback to you, them hanging how, out. How did you interpret that? Did you interpret it as his life flashing before his eyes or anything like that? Right. So, the last last things you see before you die. Well, I didn't really think that. Do you think that he thought he would ever find her? That's really the thing. Good question. And, um, so, and so when he finally sees her, it's kind of like, you know. I... I think that he always had this idea that she was alive, but I think that when when they found the weapon and Luciana was like, oh, well, you know, she didn't make it out, you know, his anguish and the way he reacted to that vulture that scavenged and pillaged that um, building. Oh, I call him Pinky. <laughs> it's just makes more, It's just so much easier than saying, it's, the guy that did the things yeah. with the teeth and his funny yeah. face. Good point, Pinky. That's pinky. a good one. It's pinky. Ah. And Inky his, and, his, and Dot. His anger towards him, though, yeah. made me feel like he kind of at that point was just more so looking for answers as to what happened. Right. He had kind of assumed that she was dead at that point. He was already kind of acting as, as if something had happened to her. Right. Not just kind of like, where is she? More like, what happened? Right. And should I be angry at you for what happened? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that he legitimately was surprised when she came out of the, the Range Rover, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, the Land Rover, right. I'll admit, even though there's a part of me that thought she was alive anyway, I mean, there was another part of me that was kind of like I was okay I'd be more sad if Madison was gone but you know I, I was ready I was mm-hmm. ready to see that she has not returned I mean I was it ready is for answers point. more than a body you know like a live body I mean I, I think it's a good point I mean I think that in my mind subconsciously I didn't think that she was dead just because I thought to myself like ah what a waste to, what like, a waste of a, an A-lister yeah exactly like what an A-minister or something yeah know. it's like this is essentially like an A-list actor and you know you're eliminating them after what four episodes like come mm-hmm. on that's 
kind of a waste. So in my mind, and, and the same thing with John Dory, I just didn't feel like, okay, we're, we're not going to waste and languish this character after five episodes. Yeah, I, I agree. Ho- you you got to give him a season. Yeah, give him a season, man. More like most of a season. <laughs> or like, again, if this was an unexpected success, it could be a situation like Daryl, where they did not anticipate his fan popularity taking off the way they did. And then they were like, all right, well, we'll keep him around. People love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way. I get that. Yeah. So who knows? But keep him around for a season. Jeez, you know, <laughs> you know I'm wondering though, just like we want to ask the showrunners, did they think this was going to take off? I, I was, I'm wondering if they're playing it by ear, the whole John Dory thing, whether or not he lives or dies. Because I, I feel like they can honestly extend this until like they could pull a Carl and oh not have his fate be revealed until they come back from mid-season break. Because, <sighs> and here's my feeling, here's why I think that way, is that okay. the underestimation. And then also, look, we've gone one whole entire episode from the time he's been shot. Yeah, end sure. of the episode beforehand. Yes. And <laughs> this entire episode. And we know they're going to be at least maybe sort of dealing with him during this episode. Yeah. We don't even know if he's going to live or not. So no. my prediction is that uh, it's going to, I don't. You think that that particular, you think that will address the Madison question, but the John Dory question might still be hanging. Yeah, I think it'd be indeterminate at best. Mm-hmm. At best, indeterminate. Like they fixed the problem, but we don't know if he's going to make it. That sort of thing. But I will say one thing. In lieu of a resolution to John Dory's in- injuries, mm-hmm. I do think they're finally going to get into Althea because they've been ramping up this mm-hmm. episode for mm-hmm. that. Even mm-hmm. last episode, like little bits and pieces that get you to kind of forget about her in a way. Mm-hmm. Like she's kind of in the background. Yeah. But then every now and again, there'll be something. And I'm like... Because she wants to stay in the background, but she can't. Yeah, well, yeah. But there's something to that. And some of that was revealed today. Yeah, oh, today. <laughs> revealed <laughs> in this episode, basically. In this episode, yeah. Let's pretend that we just watched it today. Oh, yeah, it's Sunday. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be nice. I'd like to have that one back. God, that'd be nice. Yeah. And so what I thought about the scenes, the silent scenes that he was flashing back to with Laura, was I actually thought it was more of, yeah, of disbelief, first of all, that he actually found her. All these feelings rushing back in. And then I'll, obviously, the scenes don't last that long. It's like, no. like 15 seconds, maybe, yeah, something like that. Very fleeting. Yeah. And fleeting, but it's 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 poignant. Yeah, it really hits you in the feels. Yeah. Like, yeah, because I, 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 I try to write down which ones they were. It was like them in a rowboat, them eating dinner, playing them fishing, Scrabble. playing Scrabble. Just peaceful, calm, and a silent affection there. Yeah. Without it being overt. The, the best I can boil it down to is kind of like him thinking, okay, I know she's alive. If it's my time to go, let me just leave myself with these these last loving memories. Right. Because I know she's alive and she's probably safe. Probably. I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> she, she has a chance. You know, she, I, before, in my mind, she was dead. You know, mm-hmm. and I was, and I was not okay with that. But now that I know mm-hmm. she's alive, there's a chance that she can make it. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that was my thinking. Like, yeah. if, I, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go now and I'll be okay. Right, right. But uh, just the show won't let him die. <laughs> yeah. Yet. No, Ugh. they better not. We're, we're, we're like almost maybe at riot status. Dude, do you know that there was an article that came out about that? People are saying the same thing for John Dory. And that is pretty darn amazing if you think about it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. There's like a fervor here that it's it's something that started that just can't stop at this point. No. And, and I what have a really bad feeling. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I could t- I tell you, it's exactly what I said in the beginning of the season. It's game theory, man. I mean, it's mm. a specific component to it, but it's a whole, you know, withholding of reward. Why do you think people like him so much? Well, same and I mean, I like him, but I'm just asking just in general. <laughs> it's the same way we like slot machines. I mean, we like slot the jackpot. It, it's That's that's really what it is. Because, see, I tried to qualify it a couple of episodes 
episodes ago. Now, when you think of John Dory, do you think the same way that you think of Daryl? Or does do you think no. somebody would think this? And that's the thing. Do you think of John Dory as like this sexy, like I really want to be with him kind of character? Or do, no. you, do you just really, he's everything that we want to be? Yeah. That's, that's more That's basically it. what it is, yeah. We want to aspire to be like that. Yeah. We want to, that's, honestly, that's you know, been my ideal. It's you know everything. what he is? He's everything. And when I see You're going to say what him, I was going to say, but go ahead. Are we going to say like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Like he, to me, this is what Morgan and Rick's relationship should have been. This is the right fit for Morgan. When I see John Dory and Morgan's attraction, I, I juxtapose that against Morgan and Rick's last moments in that bar slaughtering people. Oh my God. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it does not start- superimpose well. <laughs> It does not. It's not. And I wonder. And you compare that to the first season where he that's was. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, think back to who Rick I'll used check to it, be. I'll check in on and you. I would be checking in on you in the evenings on the walkie-talkie just to let you know where we are and guide you. I feel like him being with John Dory is giving him a chance to have that relationship that he once had with this person who once was. This person yeah. was, who was basically living for his family, for his wife, for his son. It wasn't about him. It was Right, about him. right, right, you know? and that's the thing. What was clever? Was selflessness. Yeah, yeah. What, what was clever about the show is they took the typical trope of a world gone mad with the with our moral compass of our our focal point of of okay, this is where things are not mad. The yin to our yang, basically, a little dot in the center. Mm-hmm. That was Rick. That was the port in the storm. Right. But what what I really liked about the show is is how they eventually, slowly, surely, they moved him out of that circle and made mm-hmm. him part of the the world writ large you know how right. how a character like that can can succumb to the circumstances around and not yeah and, and find himself left of center or right of center like uh-huh. somehow the world moved and he was forced to move another way right he he finds himself on a different kind of track mm-hmm. that's where he ended up you mean so that's good on the wrong side of where he was <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't realize I was doing that. I was, he's in the wrong side of where he, he was now, before, yeah. now. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> just saying. That's kind of the beauty of the show, though. I, I think there's a magic to that. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's what kept the show becoming interesting is because it, to see that character descend is something that we don't normally see right. and, and get ugly and, and get brutal and get really, in, at some points, really, really intense to the point of like, whoa, I can't believe he just did that. That's Right. thing. Yeah. So it, it, it ruined the trope, which is good because sometimes we need to be thrown off balance, right? Mm-hmm. And slowly, mm-hmm. like like a like a slow cooker, you know, where he, this guy's been he's been in the pot for seasons and now he's ready. Yeah. yeah. But introducing a kind of neo Rick is yeah. important to the two series because you know now you have a new moral, a new strong, maybe even better than the first moral center. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. And, you know, you have no kid, no baggage like that, but you right. do get a sense of who these people were before the apocalypse. See, and again, what was interesting about these characters is that you get more of their backstory than you would than you would on The Walking Dead. I mean, it seems true. like almost yeah. every you get to know every single person almost right off the bat. You know, within a season of where they were before the apocalypse, and then even no, more and more and more as, as time goes on. No, it is very true. I mean, we on The Walking Dead, it's like we've gone seasons at times without knowing necessarily what's Michonne's backstory. I mean, we got like maybe one episode where we got like a glimpse yeah oh the flashback one right flashback one yeah that she had a son and her you know her boyfriend and and then i don't know if it was her brother her 
cousins, brothers, I think. Like yeah, they were the two walkers that she had on a chain when they mm-hmm. met her. We've gotten glimpses here and there what their lives were once before. Daryl, we've gotten glimpses. We get the imp- we get the idea of childhood wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah, the thing. Like, yeah, was that it? Right? Yeah, but I mean, childhood that's, wasn't that's, good, Merle. And that's, that's about the, it. That's, that's about, about it. it. Rick, we barely, barely got anything. Yeah, other than the fact that he was married and had a child, like and about, he was a child. That's yeah, about it. And about the closest we got to a backstory uh, for any of the any of the the Grimes people is, is Carl's letter. Oh I'm my like, God. whoa! Look yeah. at all this history that they've had that we never knew about. <laughs> no, exactly. Meanwhile, with like John Dory, we know he was a cop, and he also performed at like these these shows. How <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like he's been around for five episodes, and and we have all this background on him, and we've actually grown like affectionate towards him or protective towards his character. Yeah, and, and maybe that's the intention of The Walking Dead too. Is The Walking Dead really was maybe supposed to be centered on the now characters rather than mm-hmm. who they were you mm-hmm. know so this way we don't get wrapped up with who they were this is the new them mm-hmm. and and with Fear the Walking Dead the old them stays with them a lot longer mm-hmm. than is comfortable almost and, and in fact what's very interesting about this concept is I'm going to bring it to this point is that you know Mel in his last fit before he Madison is kicking him out of the stadium mm-hmm. and again I, I know we'll have to backtrack and, and say how he got there but he says you're trying to be people that are extinct he says mm-hmm. this before yes, he yes. goes and it's yes, it's yes. just so it's so it echoes it just makes people shudder mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's everything that we almost think is hokey about this new Madison and this new group and how they want to be charitable and, and take people in and save people and bring them inside the walls and, and provide for them and take care of each other it just fissures in, yeah. in, in, their, in their logic and like you kind of want to agree with him so powerful yeah. so after Alicia pulls a Han Solo because obviously she shot first yes a firefight breaks out and you see you see three people versus all these stormtroopers who mm-hmm. can't seem to hit them they have all these vultures with all these guns and you know, you'd think they'd be able to take them out no nope. but she's determined her thing is she's being shot at she's she's trying to shoot at other people but she's got her stank eye on Naomi she's like trying to get her yeah yeah and, and you're wondering and even Strand's like wondering okay dude there's more of them why are you so focused on Naomi that's my thing I'm just like I, I don't I'm sure we'll get more insight to it but I just don't know where this rage comes to direct towards her right right she was not a catalyst of all this from what we're seeing based on what we saw in the episode and where we left off with Madison and, and the horde of what is what I assume are going to be flaming walkers which yeah is charred pretty, walkers pretty damn cool I gotta say <laughs> who doesn't like Texas barbecue right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's it's crazy right like but, I think I think what the show was trying to do though was they were trying to establish that you know Naomi and her had the thing at the water park and right yeah. it was a little tense at moments mm-hmm. but but they also had her removing the glass from her arm and I think there's a part of Alicia that kind of wanted her as a friend and it just missed the mark or something and then this thing happened and now mm-hmm. she hates the F out of her yeah there's history there so I understand you know where you know the anger to an extent is coming from but it's like is it reasonable yeah mm-hmm. I mean we're missing so much I mean that's the thing that's why I use my intro like in the beginning it's kind of like we're in this we're stuck in the middle right now it's really frustrating where there's there's this there's these really tense moments happening in the past and in the present and we have to wait till the next episode yeah. and it's, it's just so frustrating and then add to that the cherry on top is our darling Dory has been incapacitated for so long I know so our darling Dory darling Dory that's a good fe- <laughs> yeah <laughs> Mojo and the darling Dory I do like Mojo <laughs> 
That's a good one. Yeah. Right after that, Morgan is standing over John Dory and Naomi's there and yeah. and she, he's he's like affirming now as maybe yeah. signaling to us that he's John's friend. Yeah, he, he flat out said it. I'm his friend. Yeah, this is my guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can trust me and I know he loves you. So I know you're going to come back with those medical yeah. supplies. Yeah. You are the Laura. And she definitely tries to. She tries to go get to the truck uh, to get these supplies. But Mel is getting into the truck to basically get away. He isn't even trying to kill them and, and, and anything like that. He's just trying to get away. Yeah. And, yeah. He um, realizes this mistake. Right. Like, yeah, he's pinned down behind his own bus. And he's just like, and Pinky's going to him, I thought you said we could take him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, nope. I just kind of like, like that scene for some reason. Because it's so weird. It's so weird to see what we would normally see is you know the villain. Mm-hmm. We think <laughs> well, our she, expectations are Negan-esque, but it just know, falls short. <laughs> because you know why? Again, it's the same thing. Mel is a more humanized version of a quote-unquote villain, just like the Clarks are a more humanized version of like our Walking Dead characters. Our Walking Dead characters are our Walking Dead heroes, and they very yeah. much are heroes. And then our Walking Dead villains are very much our villains. Whereas yeah. in Near the Walking Dead, it is not so hero villain because yeah. they're fairly quote-unquote normal people you yeah. know what i mean yeah so it's even like, though the rest of the world's a little more ridiculous it's not exactly. even that far off it's just sort of right or left of center yeah yeah not mm-hmm. so that's not the governor like no that's know? what i mean like the governor you know he turned evil e-v-i-l yeah the terminus <laughs> for eating people you know <laughs> and the saviors you know like i mean it's how just, grandiose like every yeah like i mean we had these larger than life villains that were very much about the bravado and like uh, I mean governor showed up in a fucking tank you know (laughs) you know what I mean it's like you know let's not forget that and you know meanwhile these guys are like I thought we could take them nope time to peace out (laughs) and even if you look at the Colonia and if you look I'm gonna call her the Contessa for me because Mm -hmm. it's the uh, I think it was the second season Strand's friend that he had been meaning to get to in Mexico Mm -hmm. he finally got to him but he got sick and his mother was taking care of him before you know eventually he died mm-hmm. and the mother who I'm calling the Contessa what happens with a lot of the the Mexican villages the Mexican houses and the way they treat the dead is way differently and I'm not sure if you're aware of this they don't kill them they basically it's almost like as if what if everybody did what Herschel Green did in the barn but instead of keeping in the mm-hmm. barn they just left them in an open area and fed them occasionally yeah. that sort of thing see they're not evil they're just misguided or mm-hmm. you know they're not really bad they're trying to uphold this kind of standard this morality mm-hmm. by taking care of their dead and feeding them every once in a while that sort of thing it's a, it's a cultural aspect too yeah. you know, about treating the dead differently and every culture does every culture has their way of you know how do you treat the dead like do you bury do you not do you mm-hmm. do you send them off at sea bury do you burn like this do you do pulse? a weekend of bernie's thing you know oh, <laughs> it's like culturally speaking there's yeah. so many different approaches so it's understandable. It was a pretty cool thing that they did with that too. Kind of breaking the mold of what we would normally see people treat the dead. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting because it's not something that it's totally not nothing that we would have expected. And then to, to the point where even Nick gets it. Nick understands where these people are coming from and even respects their wishes and that sort of thing mm-hmm. for the longest time. But the whole point that we're trying to make is that it's, it's a little bit more grounded. It's a little bit more yes, everybody around the Clark seems a lot stranger than 
than the Clarks, mm-hmm. but not so much strange. I mean, they're just a little bit apart from them mm-hmm. and not like these wild caricature like villains and heroes. So, right. you know what? If this was a series unto itself, it might not be that great, but because it's a companion series, mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it. It's like you get a little break from the cartoony and you get some kind of real stuff. Like you get background, you get character flaws that carry on, you know, from before, mm-hmm. during and after you get what you get in Fear the Walking Dead is what you can't get from The Walking Dead in some ways. Mm-hmm. You just can't mm-hmm. quite get there. And now it's kind of too late. Like if they really start bringing in like backstory, it's kind of like, I don't care anymore. You know, I, I don't care. Yeah. I do like the guy from now, you know, or I do want the guy from now that we know from now mm-hmm. to get better or, you know, that sort of thing. They won't want their situation to be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting. It's, it's, it had to be a companion series for yeah. it to work. No, I agree. And be refreshing. And be refreshing. Yeah. Bell's pinned down at the bus, Pinky, yeah. and then he goes, we gotta get the hell out of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you said, just bolts for the ambulance. And unfortunately, is probably blown up by Alicia's space gun. <laughs> the hell that thing is. Again, I am not an expert at artillery and weapons and anything like that. I have no idea what the hell weapon that is. That thing launched a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they do exist. And you know what's very interesting about that? A couple days ago, I'm, I must have followed, I think, either the set coordinator or designer, and he featured the guy that actually makes sure mm-hmm. the actual weapons were authentic. And to the really? point, yeah, to the point where, uh, and they mentioned something of that on Talking Dead. Coleman Domingo was basically saying, we actually had to go for live artillery training because we needed to know how it felt in our hands and mm. as we shouldered the weapons and so on. And then the guy that creates the weapons that they get to use, he makes sure that the weight is the same. That's you know heavy. what? That is very interesting. Do you know if they use, with the weapons, if they use blanks or if it's like post-production, they add in the actual kind of shots and, and, and effects or whatever. I can, mm-hmm. I will tell you that there's been, there was a lot of criticism for Walking Dead in terms of the firefights in recent years because back when it, they were at the prison, they did a lot more of what you're describing in terms of trying to keep the authenticity mm-hmm. to the art, the artillery that they're using and they would use blanks. So in terms of... Oh, the recoil, you mean? The recoil. Like it was all very realistic because you were actually shooting this... Blanks, right. Yeah, you were actually shooting this weapon. My understanding is that in recent years, they don't do that anymore. On well, I did Dead, not know that. That they do post-production and kind of add in the effects. And because of that, a lot of people say that it's not very realistic. The whole stormtrooper sort of <laughs> thing where it's sort of like just all this... And it's like, it's just a little bit of a stretch. You can clearly see the difference. You can clearly see the difference. Yeah, I mean, so it's exactly like I'm saying. They So it's two things. They made sure the weight of the weapons were, mm-hmm. was the same. They made sure that they they were they were functional looking, feeling. They compared yeah. them to real weapons. Mm-hmm. They had to go for artillery training, so they knew how yeah. the, the weight, the feel, the recoil, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they they have taken really great pains. To, That's very impressive. And I don't know if you noticed this, but like, and this is maybe just kind of a side note, is that I actually saw a video of Garrett Dillahunt actually practice real shooting real I guns think and I stuff s- like that. I think I saw that. I think I saw that somewhere online too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's he went to a real shooting range. They sh- they showed his real footage, and he's not half bad. Good you know? for him. He's even practicing the <laughs> trick shots too. That sort of thing. That's the thing. It's like it does matter. They're honestly. doing the hard work. Yeah, yeah it does I mean, matter. They deserve and, it too. They're, and they're, it, it pays off. There is a payoff yeah. to it. I think that the overall final outcome and final effect is more effective when done that way, as opposed to like I said, criticism the Walking Dead had, where it just seemed to you know stretch the imagination where it's like I don't know what's going on who's shooting who like 
like it's just, yeah, it's just sort of like you know, yeah. right? You know, like, it's like people said, it's like it's just spray and pray, just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we I, look. We've been praying for two seasons. Oh so. my god! <laughs> like my knees hurt. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, back to the, what's going on. So but there you Trump go. Space up. gun blows up and blows up, and Alicia and, sees Naomi on the floor. Right, and Naomi manages to like I don't know what she picked up and that basically kind of like whacked her with it. Oh, it was like an old kind of fire extinguisher. That's what I thought. It, look, it looked like a fire extinguisher. Or it could have been. You know what it is? I can tell. I can tell you what it was. Maybe it, it looked like it might have been a small oxygen canister from the yes, ambulance. It, maybe that makes more bought, sense. I would have bought fire extinguisher too because it had that shape. It yeah. looked like it, but I wasn't. Quite but it was sure silver. It was. But the oxygen tank would have made sense considering it was an ambulance. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So the dialogue goes like this. So Alicia's like, "We took we you, gave in. you a, We gave you a home, right? Something like that." Like Naomi's like, "No, I wasn't. It's not what you think." Yeah. And she says, "Yeah, we gave you a home, and you took it, and boom." Mm-hmm. Right, like, all right, girl. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually want to skip from that because I know we've been skipping around just a little bit, but let's skip right from that straight to Alicia's interaction with Mel. Okay. Because as they're about to go follow Dory and crew at the stadium, they see Mel from the corner of their eye and be like, oh, snap, this guy's still alive. Mm-hmm. So Alicia's like, uh-uh, I got this. Mm-hmm. And she walks up to him and the most interesting dialogue happens because she's thinking what we're thinking. She goes, mm-hmm. how long was she with you? Mm-hmm. And she said, you know what? It doesn't even matter. Exactly. Wow. It's like they knew we were thinking that she was with her with him for a long time, even though we find out later that it's not doesn't, really the case. No, it doesn't it's not seem really like the it. case. It doesn't seem like that's the case at all. Unless um, Ennis had something to do with it because Mel seems clueless. Mel seems clueless, completely clueless about any of this. The only thing that Mel seemed that he was aware of is that Ennis is capable of doing this and that's what his plan is. And I'm letting you guys know so you can kind of get your stuff together now and get the hell out of Dodge before right. this happens. Right. But that's about it. Nothing more that's about, about Naomi. No. I mean, you see when we do the flashback that he definitely tries to appeal to Naomi to kind of say, look, you know that it's not a safe idea to stick around and wait for this thing to go down, which in reality, he's right. And Naomi already had reservations even yeah. before yeah. Mel and Ennis came around like, okay, we're going to hunker down here and whatever. She was already sort of like, Ugh, sure. I don't know how you're going to be able to sustain this. Yeah. And then during this, it kind of just pretty much reaffirmed what she already suspected, which is like, this place is going to fall. Yeah. And essentially, the end result is that it, you feel like it's going to. Oh, yeah. Luciana yes. comes across Charlie during that And there's that, that moment, man. There's that fucking moment. Sorry. <laughs> yes, the sorry moment. Sorry like, doesn't cut it. But sorry. she actually points her weapon at her. Yeah. And I mean, like, I get it. I really do get yeah. it because, like, she doesn't know what to do. There's a part of her that's thinking, I shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. But there's another part of her that's like, I don't know that I have any other choices. <laughs> right. And it's kill like, my man. It's like, what am I supposed to do, you know, with this devil child? I don't know. Yeah. So. Think of how much we, we feel about almost all the kids on The Walking Dead. We hated Henry. <laughs> we hated the girl from Oceanside. We've been suspicious of every child on The Walking Dead. Sam. Every child. Oh, the one that freaking shot Carl's face off. Yeah, that kid. Son of a bitch. That mm-hmm. guy. But there is a quality to children in the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's there's just something to them. And they're more apt for this world, I want to say, I guess. They, they have the chops to really do some... They can adapt better. Yeah. Children adapt 
very well. I think it's not a great thing for our world, but it's perfect no. for, the, for their world. Yeah. And that's the thing that the biggest thing that really goes almost, that's really the most difficult to grap- grapple with on both The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead is, is nobody really seems to know what to do with the kids until it's too late for either of them. And they finally kind of got it right with Henry and Carol at the end. Yeah, thank and God. Before they leave for the stadium, Morgan sees Charlie and grabs her and says, basically, you know, you're Charlie. You're, you, were the, you were the girl that they took care of. Mm-hmm. Don't go back there. Mel is not in good shape. He's probably dead. You don't want to see that. And and he basically is like, we're going to keep you safe. This is what it comes down to. You know, you need to have a safe spot. And I feel like this is going to be a chance for Morgan to do it right, to do it what Carol got to do with Henry, kind of mm-hmm. rewrite some wrongs. He's doing it right with John Dory. He's being his friend. There's something there between them and they can have this sort of relationship. And I think maybe in a way, I think something might happen with, with him and Charlie where in the sense where he can have an honest kind of let her be who she's going to be as a kid in the apocalypse give her that breathing room to be that person and then also mm-hmm. at the same time got her back mm-hmm. so I wonder I want to see that that go somewhere I mean and obviously she's going to be used as like a linchpin for maybe getting them back right Alicia Strand and Luciana back Sal <laughs> oh that's interesting I didn't think of that I know right or Sal. ALS no 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 ALS. Sal. 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 Sal such a New York Brooklyn Bronx I talked oh. to my cousin Sal yesterday <laughs> and Luciana right after that kills Pinky right after yes. the Charlie scene yep right there and that gives Charlie the opportunity to kind of run off so yep. turns back and she's gone but we see that Morgan does appeal to Althea who's filming everything right exactly she basically is kind of on the outskirts and we see that she's filming everything and he's like listen we need to get John to, to you know the stadium because basically we end up finding out from Naomi that the place to go to for the medical supplies now would need to be the stadium because 50 miles is way too far a distance yeah, yeah apparently yeah. yeah so and yeah and Althea's reticent she's like I'm not part of the story and right? he's like look you're gonna let an innocent man just kind of die yeah I mean, your story is almost over mm-hmm. and you know this good man does not need to die right now yeah, yeah yeah exactly and it finally kind of appeals to her and she you know it's like all right so they all load up and get in and she like yeah. turns her missiles on Althea and on, on Alicia That's right right and she backs down they're That's like right. all right I was like no man you're not gonna win this fight against it's a freaking SWAT tank. I can't even call it a SWAT vehicle. It's like a SWAT tank. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think she kind of references that in the next episode. Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. Like a tank inside a bank vault or something. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. It's a good description. That's about right. Yeah, but then something funny happens right after. What I thought was interesting about this scene is that, yeah, Alicia does back down. And I feel like she almost does it and realizes that maybe she could have had a moment where while they were bringing them in, the mm-hmm. guns were still pointing in that general direction. So she could have mm-hmm. probably just killed them and ended herself. Mm-hmm. So I thought for a second, like, she's, oh, well, well, maybe she's realizing that her beef isn't with John Dory. And... But then they shoot at the vehicle, the armored vehicle. Exactly. As they they're pulling away, they're just errant shots at the vehicle. Yeah. Just like, stop, girl, stop. <laughs> girl, girl, stop. Girl, girl stop. you're just wasting bullets. Wasting bullets. <laughs> what a waste. Your mom wouldn't be proud. Oh, no. Yeah, wasting that ammo. Uh, your mom would yeah. be, why are you wasting bullets? And so on that note, then we go into the past. <laughs> That's right. Yes. The, the, the scene of hope. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. planting the crops planting at the stadium. crops, everybody helping, that sort of thing. You could smell the hope in the air. Yes, there's hope. And there's color again. That's how we know we're in the past. Yeah, yeah. You get to breathe a little sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so Nick is approaching Madison and mm-hmm. Madison's being really honest and yeah. she basically echoes the same thing that he echoed to her mm-hmm. a couple episodes back about how she even admits she feels like she's a better person inside rather than outside. Right, right. And I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. She's already been kind of pretty honest but still cavalier about what she wants to do in life, what she wants to do with people. Mm-hmm. But she still is real. She even admits here that Nick asks her, did you did you ever give up hope? Did you ever think we weren't going to make she it? Said, yeah, many times. Yeah, like a lot. A lot, yeah. <laughs> Not like I let you see me sweat, but... No, she yeah. wouldn't let you know, but yeah, of course, she had her doubts probably. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, right after their little chat... Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's at the door? But Charlie. Oh, God. Again. Again. Oh, Charlie. And, in <laughs> when, like a sitcom. and when we are in the present, she does say that what happened back there was not Naomi's fault, that it was hers. Right. So she does kind of come to Naomi's defense and basically confirming that she was not the catalyst or, or involved with the events that unfolded that led yeah. to this point. Now, do you think so far from seeing this entire episode, do you think that Charlie's just shouldering the blame? You know, because she basically came to them for help. Or do you think it's like a more purposeful thing? Like she purposefully got them screwed up. Like maybe I don't she, she was working with Ennis did. the entire time. I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll see more. I mean, from what I don't want to count it out, I guess. And I don't want to count it out because I don't trust her. But at the same time, <laughs> you also don't, don't want to be wrong about blaming a kid. <laughs> she's old enough. I mean, she's, she's old enough for this world. She's old enough. She's not to Judith. Get some blame. You know, she, exactly. She's not Judith. She but, has. She can form sense. Sentences. She can form sentences. She seems like a teenager. Teenagers to me, you're ugh. yeah, preteen. So, ugh, yeah, the worst. Just older than Carl when we first met him. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if it is her fault just because of the fact that being a child and kind of making the decisions that she did kind of set the events in motion. But at the same time, I don't even know if I can say that because if Ennis had already determined based on what Mel said at the infirmary that Ennis already decided if this place wasn't going to fall, he was going to make it all, and it sounds like it was going to happen no matter what. It mm, sounds yeah. like whether Charlie had came to their door asking for their help and bringing Mel in, it doesn't sound like it would have made a difference. Hey, here's another idea. Do you think that maybe Charlie had something to do with Mel crashing the bus to get... That's a very good point. Right, to get Mel to come inside the walls. Maybe that was the deterrent method and having Mel and having Charlie within the walls may, might get Ennis to back off? Because depending on that answer is another question, right? I could see potentially her being in cahoots with Ennis, especially since she said, oh, Ennis wouldn't do that. <sighs> you know, it's I, I kind of like raised an eyebrow at that. I'm like, mm, okay. I don't yeah, know. Or it's the other way. Like maybe like, she is with Mel and because Mel is the older brother. But maybe she was in cahoots with Ennis. And what if Mel was trying to warn them? What if he was trying to mm. drive to them and warn them and she crashed this or whatever, or, you know, kind oh, of boy, like you went I don't a step know. further. That's, that's, that's really interesting. I don't know. I mean, like he, when he got in there, he warned them. Yeah. You know, That's he warned right. what was going to happen. Maybe that was a point of contention between the two brothers where Mel was just like, look, it's going to it's going to fall. Let's just wait it out or whatever. And it's just like, nope, no, nope, we got to do this. And we're going to like just basically like completely just annihilate. And maybe that was a point of contention where the two brothers didn't agree. And maybe maybe Charlie did kind of side more with Ennis and maybe Mel left and was going to. And, t- and took Charlie with.
with him. And took Charlie with him. And maybe the argument, you know, was beyond just with Ennis. Maybe it was with Charlie and that led to whatever scuffle, whatever happened that led to the crash. What you may be saying is that maybe it wasn't even purposeful. Maybe they were arguing and in the process of arguing that he accidentally crashed, let's say. He just didn't see the walker until it was too late. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, see, I thought you were going really dark, like, oh, she planned it and she she pulled the wheel and everything and like, oh. I mean, I don't. You can I, tell. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think that she cares for both brothers, and maybe she thought the best of both of them, Ennis and Mel. Right. Whereas Mel is like, no, Ennis is capable of this, and this is his plan, and this is what he's trying to do. Yeah, it is important to note that when Nick meets Ennis and ends him, Charlie mm-hmm. happens to be there, just like Charlie was there mm-hmm. in the past scene, uh, going scouting with Ennis and trying to beat them to the mm-hmm. the scavenging sites yeah. over the yep. radio. She's with these two brothers. Or at least with Ennis, mostly. Mm-hmm. Which makes me feel like maybe she had a tighter bond with Ennis. So maybe Mel was trying to get to them and to warn them. And maybe they got into an argument because she was trying to stop them or whatever. And maybe indirectly this crash happened. But she wasn't going to let him die because she cares for him regardless. Or maybe not even warning them. I mean, it could just be what, what he, he was didn't saying. Agree with, he didn't agree with it and he was and, out. And then he took Charlie and just separated from them, let's say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. like he it was only them too, which right. doesn't seem the way the vultures roll, right? No, they no, kinda, they're like a caravan. Yeah, like a caravan of nuts. Like gypsies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it just him and Charlie alone, maybe they were trying to make a go of it alone, mm-hmm. which which makes me think of another question. Now, this could fit into the overall sets of questions and ideas that we just kind of brought up, is that mm-hmm. there's a larger question here. And look, both Mel and Ennis in the present are dead. Mm-hmm. But I often wonder if Ennis had brought on the initial catastrophe that fell Mel, him, and his family. Do you know what I mean? Very possible. It makes me think that he has this, there's these machinations Mm -hmm. that he has. And maybe the whole roaming around thing was his idea and Mel just kind of went along with it. Like, who's the older brother, right? I think that Ennis has no remorse and he is out just looking for themselves, whereas I think Mel has a conscience to him. Right. Right. He has the more philosophical kind of, this is what we do, we don't Mm -hmm. use weapons, we don't even use walkers. The reason no. why I even asked this question, there are some things that are said in the episode that we, we may get to, but mm-hmm. things that were said in past episodes where Mel does bring up, yeah, the, the, the people in that town, they just needed to get the drip valve going in the silo right. and the thing yeah. would not have exploded. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's kind of a shame. You know, we warned them about it. Mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder if Ennis hadn't purposely done it. And, and Mel was none the wiser. It's a good point. You never know. Ennis might have been the one that was kind of hurrying up the demise of these communities unbeknownst to Mel. It's very possible. Yeah. And which also begs another question and that's does Charlie even know? Because it seems as though Charlie was a remnant from either the town with the silo Mm -hmm. or, you know, another town which they Mm -hmm. waited out because he basically said, you know, Charlie had told me that she watched her parents die and then we scooped Mm -hmm. her up and and took her with us because she had no family anymore. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think like, wow, is she even aware that the, the vulture had killed her family, essentially? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Right? It's a good question. I don't know. Because that's what it makes it seem. Like, that's what that's what Mel kind of made it seem in that one scene with Madison at the gate. Mm-hmm. Don't make Charlie have to relive that experience again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, oh gosh, because you know, you did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just so much on the table here right now. There's a lot of possibilities. So the decision to save Mel from the bus. Yes. Naomi basically examines him, you know, for without moving him. I think she says that he has the 
like a bruised lung, and cracked ribs, and he wouldn't survive just there, leaving him there on his own. Right, and then like Madi- certain death. Yeah, and Madison makes the case to Nick. To Nick had his objections. Yeah, he was very weary. Yeah, and she's like, you know, no one's gone till they're gone. Look what look what happened with Naomi. We lost mm-hmm. Charlie, and we gained a Naomi, even though Naomi was hostile too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and now we have a doctor, which led us to getting all these uh, these crops and supplies yeah. and rations. So, dude, I've been killing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I agree. And eventually, you know, they're like, all right, well, okay. She makes a good point. Honestly, a lot of the moves that she's been making has been very, even though they've hit trouble, they've, it's yielded long-term results. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. It's a tough effing goddamn road. Yeah. But yeah. By the way, the downfall of Mel's family, that whole thing, it, it really does say a lot about you know, Mel's squirreliness, which I'm, I'm going to get into now, is like when they bring him back and he's handcuffed to the mm-hmm. bed. What's interesting about moving into that scene is that we go from Alicia ending Mel yes right to the hospital bed in the past where he's he's staying in mm-hmm. much in the way we lost Nick when Nick died the very next scene was him in that field of flowers mm-hmm. I mean it's it's not exactly the same mm-hmm. but it's what's really interesting is that we don't miss a beat between losing Mel yeah. and seeing him in the in the infirmary bed mm-hmm. you know, handcuffed mm-hmm. to the to the to the bedpost or the headboard whatever it is yeah and you have this scene with him and Naomi at one point he gets her knife sticks it to her throat and even cuts her a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she kind um, of like pokes him she knows yeah. where he's injured <laughs> the big takeaway from this and even the scene at the gate where Madison's finally had enough of Mel sowing doubt is what appears to me and I think you'll agree is that Mel just seems kind of pathetic yeah. he's trapped in his his notion of why his family died is because they stayed and that's why I feel like I said to an extent sorry for him because I don't see him as this evil like meh kind of person like he's picked up something wrong along the way mm-hmm. I get it but you don't have to starve people out but otherwise I do feel completely sorry for Mel I think yeah. there's no ill intention he gives advice <laughs> he's mm-hmm. not trying to stop people from leaving and coming back no, yeah we'll, we'll beat you to the sites but you know it's really kind of for your own good I don't want to mm-hmm. see you starve well and plus besides that it's just like you know you snooze you lose like that's not anything necessarily crazy right you know? everybody's not, trying to scavenge for what they need right and it's not like they're committing violence they're not you know there's like this distinct form of non-violence yeah that caravan showing up at the end was the most ominous scary thing to me because of the not knowing what the hell was going on I mean I knew we, we knew obviously oh, that they had mean, walkers I must think more of the ice cream truck than anything else because I knew it was in the caravan <laughs> no but the, the ice cream truck too but everything the whole setup the, the ice cream truck what the hell that was about then the caravans and them all set up it was like what is going on <laughs> it was pretty pretty grand <laughs> but it was very but that and it was no weapons right and it was but it was so scary and you could tell they were too they were just sort of like although a lot of people criticize and they say it's like you know what are you doing standing around there shoot them <laughs> you know that they're not there for good reason well just, i i know that you've you've been doing the math though is that i know it's a they're lot like over walkers. two thousand walkers i know i know jesus christ yeah so it's kind of like you might need to save your bullets you know because oh, what yeah. if if even one truck manages to get loose it's just it's, it's too late already mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's already too late so yeah well i i kind of want to hammer home this point about mel though it's it's mm-hmm. like every single move he makes it's like you said he was trying to his main thing was to really get him and charlie and charlie out of there she does not need to be there i do not need to be in the infirmary we need to be not in a place we need to be out and especially with what ennis has in mind whatever it is you know he doesn't really know but he knows yeah. that he wants to assist the situation and you know maybe that's why their blowout was so big mm-hmm. is that maybe mel had figured out kind of like what we were saying before is that maybe he's had a hand in every downfall like mm-hmm. maybe what seemed to be particular happenstances and maybe even the weevils like maybe yeah. the weevils 
Mel's coming in and killing that that maybe had been an, a byproduct of Ennis. Yeah. And maybe Mel has just kind of been like, yeah, fortune's been favoring me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my plan is really working. <laughs> of yeah. Starving people out because something must be on my side. So he just seems very pathetic. Not much of a villain. Mm-hmm. Not really any. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the knife to the throat. That's one thing. But right, right. But it, it, that's more out of desperation. Yeah. No, absolutely. That was just more of a desperation move to just kind of get out of his circumstances. Yeah. And foolhardily because he was roundly uh, put down. One little poke to the ribs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's the thing about Madison's hammer that I wanted to talk about. And it, it's something they talked about in Talking Dead. And it, was, it brought itself back to me in a flash is that the imagery of the hammer, it, it does kind of, it's like a callback to when Madison ended Troy. Mm. There's like this distinct relationship with the hammer. And, you know, now she's using it as kind of like a means to transform things rather than destroy things. Mm-hmm. You know, she's transforming a good act of building a home for Charlie, which became Naomi's home. And now she's using the parts from that home that of love to reinforce the stadium walls. You know, she's really just doubling down and tripling down on love. Mm-hmm. She's doing this careful, caring act of taking this thing down again and, and reinforcing the walls, like making sure like, no, you know, we're mm-hmm. not letting this happen. No, we'll take, we'll handle it. You know, we'll take care of these people. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. It's like she used like Thor's hammer. It's like she's using these, <laughs> these magic powers to kind of keep everybody safe. And it is almost almost supernatural. Mm-hmm. There's almost like, you know, if I just believe in this hard enough, it, it'll work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just thought that was interesting. It's an interesting tidbit. Yeah. And then we did see that scene with Madison pointing the gun at Mel just yes. before he's supposed to go. Like no one's gone to their gone. And, Something... nobody's, and nobody is really on Madison's side here. They're it's kind of like, what of... are you doing? Right. Kind of like, you really think this is a good idea? Right. This is not you at all, basically. Like you would be the one to keep him here, make him see right. the way. He's injured, clearly mm-hmm. not going to make it, even mm-hmm. though he's stacked. You know, he's, he's got cracking. All this stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing. The, the thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is the reason why I said that every, almost every single person here mm-hmm. on the show, in spite of this new attitude, does kind of slip up a little bit. And mm-hmm. Madison's slip up is the worst. Yeah. Is the worst out of all of them. She basically reverted into the, the mama bear that had, had wanted to protect her babies at all costs. Yeah. You know, no, the, the, the one that we knew from the, all the last few seasons. And yeah. I, I just think that's really interesting because I kind of knew it was coming. You know, mm, it, did you? Yeah. It, it just felt like ever since the Justin Case car and you know, all the little things I picked up from True. the last episode, True. you know, s- noticing that the two people died over a can of beans, like, oh, wait, this could happen to my group. Mm-hmm. Seeing the Justin Case car at the FEMA camp, making sure Alicia does it seems a little out of character. It's like if you're if you're putting everything into a wish and a promise, why would you have an escape contingency? Why would you embrace something that you would criticize Strand about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you see these little things like like oh, Strand does make sense. Oh, I guess so. You know, like she's hedging her bets. You know, yeah. in case yeah, something happens. For sure, for sure. It, it's kind of like what Strand says in that episode beforehand. You know, the, the artifice crumbles and the curtain falls. That sort of thing. Like when backed into a corner. Yeah. And that's how she feels like when she sees Mel basically first of all attacking Naomi. Right. That was, that's a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. And then sowing doubt. And yeah, everybody has doubts, but at the same time, everybody's on board. Yeah. And this kind of causes the group to act without her or act in her name, maybe even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saying, we, we got to get this Mel guy back because I think this may be something that she ends up regretting. Right. And if we don't do this, we're not living up to her ideals. Right. And Strand's on board. He gets it. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I mean, after all, she saved me. You know, right. Mel guy's a can of, he's like, it's like a hill of beans compared to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why not him? Yeah, I was the worst. So why not Mel? Right. And that's why I brought it up. That's why I brought Strand up, that whole that whole rant in the mm-hmm. beginning. Because mm-hmm. it does make a difference. It does have
have a place, you know, to compare the two and to save Mel. It's it's very important. Yeah, I see what you're saying. They finally get Mel, the Land Rover, and they just in time to see the convoy pass them by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They almost make it to the stadium before the convoy I know, or before just, the ice cream truck. They just missed them. Yeah, just missed them. And which is really crappy because at the same time, just as they're pulling up, you know, the ice cream truck comes along with the oil slick and kind of mm-hmm. blocks the entrance with like a wall of fire at some point. But, yeah. But they're kind of stuck because they don't know if if they move and they open the gate, will they try to crash the walkers in? And so they're right, kind of exactly. stuck in this position. They're kind of stuck in this position because they don't want to compromise the, the stadium. Which I get. Yeah, sure. You're really put in a really, really bad position. Mm-hmm. And it's Madison's babies. Out there. This is what uh, she was trying to avoid. This is exactly what she was trying to avoid. Get inside the walls, you little shits. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so yeah, Naomi and Madison have a moment too. And it's, it's a pretty cool moment because you're talking about two mothers. Yes. One has been a mother way longer than the other, but Matt, you know, Naomi, she, she drops, drops some knowledge. knowledge. I was going to say she drops some knowledge. Yeah, you, you tell me. Well, she said that basically sometimes you have to disappoint your kids. Madison basically tells her how, you know, she built this for her kids so they can have some semblance of stability and, and, and normalcy in, in this sort of climate. Your decisions aren't always going to make your kids happy. You can't keep doing this thing yeah. where, where you try to build this world in spite of their, their safety. Yeah. I mean, you can't shield them from this. You can't shield them from the reality that's out there. And at the same time, though, what's interesting about that is by doing what she did, which is what she's always done, which she's really disappointed herself about. She's really disappointed about reverting mm-hmm. in, into Mama Bear and, and staying her ground. You know, well, first of all, reverting and kicking Mel out, but yeah. then also still doubling down. Mm-hmm. So I love how she says the silver lining is basically how, you know, I guess I did something right by having the kids having to to get Mel. Like I at least, you know, if they're going to do what they're going to do, let them do it in the name of this positive promise this mm-hmm. this goodwill charity kind of kick that i've been on right so i thought that was pretty cool do you think they should have just left the, abandoned the stadium because it's a tough tough <sighs> question when you think that's a tough call. that's that's a tough one the, the, the question then becomes like where do you go you can already get a semblance when they were out scavenging that there isn't a whole lot out there they've had right. to venture a little farther in order to find things and then the other side is that i mean it's almost like calling their bluff it's like you know they're saying that oh this place is going to fall but how accurate is that are you just messing with me to try and get me to willingly abandon my my home and all my uh service supplies so that you guys can just waltz in easily and you know help yourself so it's a tough call well yeah there, there's a bigger question here too let's just assume that they do leave right mm-hmm. but who's to say the vultures won't follow maybe their end game is really to make sure people either die or join yeah so it's kind of like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't yeah i don't know if there would have been any other option other than kind of doing what they did which was kind of reinforcing the stadium to the best of their ability now that kind of begs a bigger question is do you think they would have been safe from ennis's attack if mel and charlie had been with him you know would would ennis sacrifice his own brother in Good his question. quest to make the walls fall maybe ennis would have been more open to it i don't know well maybe she's blaming herself for allowing madison to keep her behind i don't know there's there could, there's a bunch of reasons why she would be blaming herself even to the point where it could just be that she did something a little bit more than what is being shown. Yeah, potentially. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure necessarily because you know, we don't really know the caliber 
caliber of Ennis's relationship with Mel, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, they're brothers, and they obviously have been through a lot together, and losing well, their just family. Just because they're brothers doesn't mean that. You know. Yeah. It's there. It seems to me that there's obvious there's obvious fissures. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, it's not as if Mel Kevin Zegers is is gone, and even the guy that plays Ennis, they're not gone from the show. We have them in past scenes mm-hmm. still, so we will maybe get to see a little bit more, <laughs> maybe justifying their deaths, or even maybe pointing out how you know, yeah, they're flawed, but maybe they won't be as bad as we think that they are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like so far, we're kind of sympathetic with Mel mm-hmm. to a point so far. Yep. I don't. So maybe, far. I wonder if we'll get that feeling from Ennis. I don't really think so. I don't really think so. I mean, he's a Not ginger too, so. <sighs> That's so wrong. <laughs> it is very wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So we get to the gate. Ennis torches the oil slick. Yes. And the ice cream truck explodes. And mm-hmm. it's just bad because the Land Rover's out there in a sea of convoy and walkers. And mm-hmm. and they're they're overtaking. And then Madison's gearing up to get the irrigation truck to, to rescue them and everything. Mm-hmm. Strand's joining her. Douglas tries to get in the way. He says, we got to put out that fire. And he's like, Strand, Strand's like, get out of the way. We're getting those yeah, kids. Don't. Yeah, Doug. I mean, come on. <laughs> What's really interesting is what Alicia does. You know, while they're doing mm-hmm. that, they're in the process of doing it. Alicia delivers this kind of a soliloquy over the the walkie, kind of like her goodbye. Yeah, basically giving her goodbye. I'm trying to trying to equate this. To, it feels a lot like Carl's letter in a way. God, you know what it reminded me of? Not so much the speech itself, but that moment reminded me of when Aaron and Daryl were in the car in that parking lot, surrounded by walkers. And I thought, man, this might be the end for Daryl. This might be where he comes out and sacrifices himself to give Aaron a chance to get away and Morgan comes in and basically this is when Morgan reappears from being away for however long. He finally meets up with them and Daryl and Aaron bring him back to Alexandria where he finally reconnects with Rick again. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. I do. It's very, yeah, very powerful. Yeah. yeah. You really don't think they're going to make it back? No, I did not think that. I, I really, that was one of those episodes where I was like, this might be it for Daryl. <laughs> yeah, no, like no kidding. Yeah, and that was it. That yeah, was that, it. Was, that was curtains for Daryl. Well, I mean, aside from you know some here and there's, but really it was yeah. kind of like a non-starter. Yeah, in most we, places we we always think something's gonna happen. Daryl got shot by Dwight. He's still good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that. That well, I mean, obviously that does set the tone for their relationship. Yeah, it did set the tone. Yeah, he, he did get shit on a lot. He a lot. yeah, <laughs> like really. Seasons. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he yeah. deserves to be a leading man now. He earned it. All right. Yeah, he's paid his dues. Maybe. I don't dues. know. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> as long as they don't give him too many lines. <laughs> he might surprise us. You never know. Yeah. But she gives this speech kind of like apologizing for their decision, but basically kind of still standing by why they did what they did. Yeah. I, I wrote it down. It's like, she says, mom, I'm sorry. Yeah. We, ha- we had to come out here. We mm-hmm. had to try and save him. Mm-hmm. We couldn't just hide. Yeah. We didn't mean to do this to you. I love this, that, yeah. that line in particular. Yeah. Because it wasn't anything against her. It was like they, they just couldn't stay in behind, crouching behind these walls like she wants them to, like any mom does, wants oh, yeah. to protect her kids. Wait, and that's that's why she says that. She's like, I know I know how you are. I know mm-hmm. what the, the lengths to which you've gone to where you've gone to mm-hmm. not only save yourself, but save your kids, to be present and alive mm-hmm. at this moment, mm-hmm. to help keep us alive through this apocalypse. You've had to do some crazy things. So yeah. we, did, we didn't mean to do this to you, No, but it was the right thing to do. And this is all because of Madison. 
lesson, them going out, it's mm-hmm. because of her. It's because of the, you know, it's like Nick says, he even confides in Madison. And he says, somewhere after his initial chat with her, he says, first of all, you know that thing that you said to me about being inside makes me a better person? You we're mm-hmm. basically saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when I confided you in that field of um, blue bonnets? I said being outside ma- made me feel like a different person, a person yeah, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. be. But it's not the stadium walls. It was you, mom. It's you. Yeah. It took me a long time to realize it, but it doesn't really matter where we all are, where we're sitting and living. Mm-hmm. It's just that I know that when I've been around you, I've been my best self. Mm-hmm. So because you showed me the way. Right. You're like, Carl. Oh, you showed me the way. Oh, like Carl. Sad. Yeah. Like, oh, Nick is dead. Yeah. And then that's the kind of makes it hurt a little bit more. Mm. This really, really honest kind of conversation about, thanks, mom. Mm-hmm. You really brought me back. It, it, and honestly, this is something that Madison's kind of always wanted. For all the room she would give Nick when he needed the room, all the rope that she gave him, this long leash, mm-hmm. at least in the apocalypse, knowing that, okay, I'm going to see him again. Mm-hmm. I, I can just only hope. You know, I would do anything for that kid, but I know that when he gets a certain way, I need to kind of let go of that leash a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and so for all the stuff that she's really, really had to go through between him leaving, her trying really hard to get him back when he's in trouble, for him to kind of admit that is kind of big for her. It's like a big moment. Like so Everything I've been working really, really hard to try to do to get Nick to be something more than he's been pre-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. This is really the apex, the recognition that I don't know if many parents really get. True. And she's I feel like I have I don't know any moms like that. I don't know any moms that have gone well above and beyond their capabilities to kind of care for their kids like that. Like yeah, no, and, we haven't and, been tested yet. Yeah, we we don't have heroin addict sons. You know, I don't know how many parents. You know, like most parents I hear they just kind of give up on their kids when it comes to drug abuse and that sort of thing. Which is sad, but yeah, um, I mean it's a reality. We're not it's a reality. It's a reality. Yeah. So I don't know. I I just thought that was really cool, like like a culmination of unexpected recognition for Madison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and I think this is the seed. This is kind of the seed of a seed that grows and then eventually is plucked before it gets to become something bigger. Mm -hmm. It's this recognition and him realizing that it's her that makes him want to be a better person. And something happens to her. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that she dies. The closest thing that I'm actually really defaulting to at this point is that Madison makes clearly uh, Alicia after delivering her soliloquy over the walkie being trapped surrounded by by all these walkers these oil slick walkers if you remember mm-hmm. these are from the silos mm-hmm. yeah which is why the fire is particularly dangerous right it's the fact that I think that Madison is going to go for broke what do you mean she has everything to gain and nothing to lose mm-hmm. by going after her kids mm-hmm. so there may be like some sort of self-sacrifice you know something so you really, that she does so you think that they really might kill her off well that's the thing I don't think it's going to be one of those murders those gruesome no, no, murders no. like no, Willie no. Tyler James or like or yeah. Glenn no no I don't but, you think that like she might die in the name of the ultimate sacrifice yeah like there was this one like shot in the sneak peeks that made me think you know this is a close up this is her moment mm-hmm. and I think if it comes down to it she will gladly lay down her life to make sure that her kids could have the potential for a full life mm-hmm. so I'm not saying I'd be mad at that but I, I'm not happy about it it's, okay. again it's kind of leading to the conclusion we all expect it's like so it's like almost as if people are acting like like I was saying before people are acting like they're gonna be giving me a surprise party but then finding out nobody planned the surprise party <laughs> that's really what they're kind of my personal feeling is that we are marching to the conclusion that she does something along those lines and because we are steadily marching towards that conclusion I don't think that's gonna happen yeah because it just seems like okay this they is built it up too much they've built it up too much this is what I logically assume we're walking towards so 
I'm going to assume that you're going to flip the script on me and it's not going to be that way because it's too easy to say like, this is the direction that we're going and here we are in this moment. Yep, that's what happened. I have to imagine that it's more complicated <laughs> than that. I have to. You know why? Because I'm I'm conditioned to it at this point. No, well, yeah, there is that. I think we've been, but we've been warned. We've been warned by Mel and I, I, I think I said this in the last episode. It's that you never see the bad stuff coming. And I think here in this, in this scenario, there may be something that we can't possibly account for that they're going to try and do that we won't see coming. To flip the script on us. Yeah, it's not about her living or dying. There's going to be something else. Hmm. But he did say whenever you don't really see the bad stuff. So he did say the bad stuff. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like, so we don't know what the bad stuff is, but either way, we won't see it coming. So, oh, gosh. so after the soliloquy, actually, there, again, this imagery is so on point. Well, when it, they open the doors and she's just overwhelmed by the scene of fiery walkers. So I assume we see fiery walkers. We don't see it. We just see Madison's expression. Oh, well, there's that. But then we right after that, it shoots us back to the present. Yes. And we and see the see, burnt out ice cream truck. Exactly. This, the imagery is so good. Mm-hmm. You know, just that, that it's in the foreground and they're coming yep. in from the background. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the remnants of what had happened. Yep. I, I just love it. I love the visuals. Yeah, no, it's very good. It's, it's very good the way they've been shooting these kind of imageries and we can connect it to the past. They've tied it together very well. Yeah. Uh, Naomi does mention is that the vultures barely well, scavenge yeah, the stadium. Which is, which is kind of the thing that's so like ridiculous about Ennis's plan. How much would you really be able to get from this place based on what you did? You know what I mean? If you're releasing 2,000 some odd walkers, fiery walkers on the stadium, mm-hmm. yeah, you might eliminate them, but you're not even going to be able to get stuff anyhow. I have, so, a, I have a theory. You have a theory? Okay. You know, my theory is okay. What's Ennis, theory? Ennis and Mel, they're related to Simon. Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. I know. It's like peas in a pod, right? Yeah. I mean, like the whole thing with Negan was that he just wanted, you know, a couple of them to see the effects of what they've been planning. But mm-hmm. Simon was all about, let's expunge them. Ennis. And it's like, yeah, Ennis is like, you know what? But yeah, there is an element of, fuck these guys. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going to get him no matter what. Right. It's overkill. It's overkill. I don't know if he overestimated or maybe the things that Madison does in the next episode makes it be like, okay, if she didn't do that, it wouldn't be so bad. Mm -hmm. Like like maybe. Maybe she's buried under rubble. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Who really knows? I tried to kind of, I need to relook at the previews for next week, but it's like. Don't do that. No, I know. But I'm just, I'm trying to kind of decipher because the past is always in color and the present is in gray. And I could have sworn that a scene with her was in gray. So I'm like, if it's in gray, that means that she's in the present. This is, oh, you're saying, you, okay. This okay. is me just trying to do a little deep diving to understand. Wait a second. Because she seemed like she was under something or, or oh, under, on the floor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On so the grass. I'm like, I don't remember, but I could have sworn that that was like a grayed out sort of, or, you know, that kind of washed out sort of imagery, which makes me feel like, is that the present? We have all these planks of wood that you reinforce or that you try to reinforce the stadium with. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that she very well could be holed up somewhere. Yeah, I guess so. You know what? Okay, that's what I'm putting money on. I'm putting money on that she's alive and under rubble. But do the kids know it? I don't think, no, I don't think so. I think that they think that she, the same thing with Naomi. I think that they think that they didn't make it out. But here's the thing. How long has she been trapped under rubble? Well, that's the thing. I don't know how much time has passed since that happened. It's it's not clear like how much time has necessarily passed before they came across them in that road. Yeah. And surrounded them. If it had just happened and they had gotten away. We don't know. There was a lot of people inside those walls that weren't limited just so my understanding, my thoughts Mm -hmm. are that maybe their bloodlust is limited to 
the people they lost. It's a lot of people and a lot to lose in a stadium. And I could see it. It doesn't have to be Madison that dies. But the only thing that I'm sure of is that our group accosted Althea's van for a reason. They were yeah. looking for the vultures. Yeah. You know, no one else is to be found for many, many miles except for them. But And they've been looking them for them for a very long time. It begs the question that really, it seems like the vultures have been looking for them as well. Maybe. Perhaps, yeah. Especially looking for them after they killed Ennis. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and Charlie told Mel about that. Yeah. Definitely. Things to ponder. Yeah. Well, I mean, now we're at sneak peeks and we got quite a few flashes. Yes. Lots of flashes. In the first scene, we have Madison saying, I've lost everything. I've got nothing left to lose. Mm -hmm. The questions we have is like, is she assuming that her kids are dead? Mm -hmm. Not just based on Alicia's words, last words, but you know, they're covered in, in walkers and who knows? Yeah. And she has someone at gunpoint in the last flash. Yes. Like you said, mm -hmm. she was on the grass pointing her gun upwards. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. The color isn't very clear. It's not. So it makes me wonder, is that the past or the present? Maybe that's the flashpoint. It's like little in between that determines where we are. So, yeah. hmm. so there's I'm a fire. Yeah. So it seems like there's a firefight at the stadium because Strand is there shooting a gun and he looks like yeah. he's actually shooting a gun or a yeah. rifle or machine gun. I think they really did get weapons training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Althea mentions in one of her videos, she's saying and the videos of her, which mm -hmm. by the way, you don't often see. No. You don't see her on camera, which I, I didn't really think about until just now. She says one day someone's going to know what happened here. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and this is also why I'm thinking this is going to be a Althea backstory heavy mm. episode, I think. I think they're not going to give us everything, but they're going to give us a lot of Althea. And I think it's going to throw some things in question. Mm -hmm. What is Althea? Maybe she does have a lot of layers, as she mentioned in this episode. Yeah, she did say that. I like what he what he says to her uh, just before they ram down the, the doors of the stadium. And what, this, I know you? Yeah, I think I know who you are, Althea. And she's like, you do not know me. <laughs> Boy? Yeah, exactly. That's what I felt. It's like... I got layers. Exactly. It's like... <laughs> You do not know me. You don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know me. From Overwatch. <laughs> she, she, dude, people also say that John Dory looks like another character from Overwatch, which he does. Like, That's I mentioned crazy. It, I mentioned it to Eddie and like, he was like, I showed him a picture of John Dory just saying like, oh, this guy is like really popular on the show and whatever. He's like, that looks like so-and-so from Overwatch. And then of course he's playing it. So he pulls it up. And I was like, exactly. He's you know, like, you need to do another one of those. I know I will. I'll that do was that really, like, really good. Very effective. By the way, and Jenna Elfman liked it, even though she's not following us. You know that, right? She, oh my gosh, she is awesome. I, I actually love her posts too. I just find her so cool. Well, she's so yeah. into the show. It's really great. She is. She's really, I think that she's really loving the dynamic on set and their little family, like their little fear family. And, you know, <laughs> I think that she's in it. I think she's really totally into it, which is cool. You know, it's, it's really cool to see. No, it's so funny because Eddie was like, I guarantee you on that staff of like production nerds, there's got to be some people that play Overwatch. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure there's probably probably a handful of people at least that probably are some gamers in that group. I'm gonna I'm gonna venture. Uh, yeah, oh, who knows what they do on their off time too? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. The guy that plays Cole, Sebastian, he's probably playing the, the game. Like, oh hey, Althea, hey, I'm playing. Hey, what's, you now. The, what's going on? Yeah, what's up, what's up, girl? I mean, look, I can make you do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I would not be surprised. It's mm. not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, so one thing I did pick out in the, in the flashbacks is that Althea actually has a weapon. She has a machine gun of some kind. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I and she's hot. That. She's ducking behind, which means she's part of the firefight. She is participating. Yeah. Yeah. In the stadium, you know, whatever's mm-hmm. going on between. They're going to have to. There's no way that SWAT vehicle, SWAT tank, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> hashtag SWAT tank, is like <laughs> surrounded or soon to be surrounded by all these charred walkers. So if they want to make it anywhere out of there and they want to try and get to those medical supplies, they're all going to have to jump into this. Although I wonder if you could just kind of blaze through them. You know, you, you, it's like you got a tank, essentially, practically a tank. You're talking about the walkers or? Yeah. Or, or also Alicia's. Can you, just, can you just run them over? Well, I mean, there's not a lot of room, room to move too. Like they mm. get in, they just stop that thing right in they the middle did. of they the They just diamond. stopped, yeah. Because to me, I'm just like, just plow through those things. You know what would be great in the apocalypse thinking about it? You have to get like a dumpster truck. I could, well, those things, I don't I don't mess with those things. They First of all, they break. In, in Brooklyn, they just like break traffic laws left and right. I don't yeah. know if this is a universal thing. And then the fact that they're just unstoppable. If they ram into you, they don't really damage their garbage truck. It's just no. you're done. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like how big your car is. Yeah. I want to say like sanitation workers of the of the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, and by the way, uh, what did Daryl use to ram the, the, the sanctuary? A garbage truck. Sanctuary. Boom. Yes, that's right. Boom. It was a garbage truck. You're right. Mic drop. <laughs> that is true. So, I mean, you're he right. Also, you didn't also, know you were right, but you're right. No, but that is true. That is true. I forgot about that. Yeah, you are correct. Yeah, just plow through those things. You have a SWAT tank <laughs> and you have those like missiles that you like pointed at Alicia. Just point them at us. <laughs> the turrets? Yeah. Just if they had missiles, it'd be t- a little too close. I know. It'd be a little too close. <laughs> Blow up everything. Yeah, just... I'm, I'm not an expert at firearms. <laughs> What are those? Uh, finger blasters? What? Whatever What's a finger blaster? What are those things? You know, it goes pew pew. Yeah, sure. Oh, God, you know? Oh. Sorry. <laughs> From New York, I bleed blue. I don't uh, know anything about firearms. You girl? Anything. No. I'm a drive-by? I mean, I haven't. I know nothing. I pretend like I have. Well, I know anyway. nothing, Jon Snow. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so they're in the diamond, and it looks like Alicia does bump into Morgan. You know, I'm just here trying to help my friend. You know, so mm. there is a confrontation with Morgan. I you yeah. know so far they have not drawn swords as it were. You know, so mm-hmm. every time they've run into each other, if you think about it, he'd been stuck with Nick and he, she did, he did that sweet thing on his grave. Mm-hmm. It seems as they had been close. At least she'd seen that. Mm-hmm. So this confrontation with Morgan is going to be pretty telling. It's going to be like the yardstick of how far Alicia's willing to go. Mm-hmm. How far down the rabbit hole has she gone? Yeah. And you know, depending on what the outcome is of that confrontation is mm-hmm. it's going to set the tone for us the season, I think. Yeah. yeah, I'm in it. Yeah, man. And then you will see Mel. Mel is in the past. He seems to have made it out of the stadium with Charlie, who seems to be crying. Mm. So that's interesting. How does he get the Land Rover from Alicia and Nick, right? Why is Charlie crying? Yeah. I mean, they're surrounded by walkers, and yet everything seems to be intact. Right, yeah. So, wow. Wow, I wonder I what happens. I think out of that jam. Yeah, that complete jam. Mm-hmm. Alicia is holding a box of some kind and screaming at Al. Oh, right, right. Like, like, where did you get these? So, okay, do you remember in the SWAT van, in one of the episodes, she mentions to Al something that's in the back, and she says, where did you get these from? And I don't remember what exactly was, and they kind of glossed over it and moved on. I think this is the same thing. Really? Whatever she picks up from that first episode, or the second episode, rather, she's picking it up again, and she's begging Al to ask her where she got the, whatever it was from. I can't remember what it is right now, and I wish I did. Mm. And, you know, I don't even remember if I said this in Squawking Dead, but I remember it 
distinctly. There was it was something that they just kind of say, "Hey, where did you get this from?" Okay, well, whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Oh gosh! And now I want to know what that is because she's she's saying that to her now. She's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. Crazy. She's emphatic. She is livid. Yeah, acting is on point. By the way, in that scene, in that little tiny clip, mm-hmm. looks like Madison is barring the store, the doors to the stadium with something. Mm-hmm. So that seems like, and she's basically saying there are people out there who need me, mm-hmm. which means you don't talk to your kids like that. So who is she talking about? Maybe she means just the rest of the people there. Mm, mm, maybe they fled or something? Yeah, I would imagine chaos ensued. Hmm, that's interesting. I have to imagine. Well, maybe Cole got them to safety. Because mine, I, I'd gotten they a little... a goner. Yeah, that's, that's my instinct too. But then like, I'm thinking to myself, well, obviously he's a goner because he's, you know, Cole. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but maybe, again, like the switcheroo, maybe they did something. Maybe they, they maybe Cole managed to get them away in one of the vulture wagons or something. I don't know. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. Yeah, me too. This thing is built like a tank in a bank vault. It's exactly... I I did recall that. Yeah, and the door falls off. And it's like, I like that little bit of finally, a little bit of comic relief that we got from the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. A little bit from Laura, like Platypus. And so all these little things. The Walking Dead also has these little bits of comic relief or has had it. Rarely, uh, but they have and it's refreshing it's kind of like okay yeah we need that we need that sometimes we need that levity yeah it's fitting that it's Maggie too like Maggie Grace mm-hmm. I like her and so the bigger sneak peek that we get from Talking Dead is is really it's like Althea warns the SWAT van passengers that the turrets are about to fire you know hold her ears and John tells Morgan not to go out there because he got him into this we're talking about the beginning of the season mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Like, like I kept insisting you join me and I got you in trouble and now you're stuck with me and, and Morgan says nah you got me out of something Thing, yeah, you know, basically out of his funk. Yeah, he did. Oh, I'm so glad that they're pals. Mojo, Mojo, yeah. Mojo for life. Mojo <laughs> for life. Yep. Yeah. No, Naomi wants to come with, but John is meekly protesting. <laughs> He's saying, "Don't make me come looking for you. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, you better come back." The turrets clear the path. Morgan and Naomi jump out, and I love how that shot is framed too, because it's from the perspective of the stadium, I guess, entrance onto the diamond, onto the baseball field. So it's like not like a full widescreen almost mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like a four by three it's like old television screen i thought that was kind of interesting shot mm-hmm. but yeah and that's that's really it and there you have it well, the one thing about this episode was that there was just for me there was really just some key things i wanted to drill down on and it was just mostly the whole melis the, the mel ennis thing madison's philosophy versus the vulture philosophy the vultures themselves being not bad guys there's just some key things i mean strand really i did want to drill down into strand a little because i think it needed to be mm-hmm. before he see this new strand that's more involved and mm-hmm. more evolved but there wasn't really much to deconstruct it's like it's a lot of this is action a lot of this is high yeah. paced it's intense mm-hmm. there's some there's like little character breaks where you get some really good exposition but some like little discoveries here and there but it, it's pretty this episode was pretty cut and dry it's what we wanted more of we needed more story we need more links but now we're in this like intensity sandwich right now and mm-hmm. it's gotta play itself out it's got to you know I, I just can't I can't handle it no any Walking Dead news we do not necessarily since Andrew Lincoln's departure news that was like the big bombshell although I will say that I do for me personally I don't know if it's an indicator of something or not but you know I follow Christian Serratos who's Rosita on the show and I think she's on vacation and she's posting all these pictures you know swimming whatever so I'm like are you not filming with everybody oh well yeah you know that's usually sort of like wait 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 why 
iron shoe on set with everybody else, you know? So, so I wonder if that is any sort of indication of a fate of her character, which would fall in line with what happens in the comics, unfortunately. Snap. Um, But, you know, we we do see that Rick is filming or um, Andrew Lincoln's filming. Andrew Lincoln is there. Tara's there. Jesus has been spotted. Jada's. Ezekiel. A lot of them are there, but she is kind of not. Yeah. So maybe there is a mass slaughter, but maybe it's not many, if any, of the what are going to be the main characters of season nine. Right. I don't know. I mean, it could be nothing. It could be nothing, but it just kind of is a little odd to me because everybody else is kind of on set and posting pictures. They're in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And she She is is not. not. That is a good point, man. See, always, always inquisitive nature of me. That's just who I am. Yeah. This is who I am, man. This is who I am. And it's funny, like, I, I don't really like many of her photos. It's because, like, it's... No, because... Not, I don't really have a connection to that. No, 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 exactly. But it's like, a, it was an interesting thing that I just kind of noticed. I'm like, well, wait, you know, you're here, and you're posting all these pictures of you here, but everybody else is here. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, well, now I'm going to keep my eyes open. Although I am, I do wonder about Tom Payne, because, you know, the guy plays Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I have seen pictures of him on set, though. Oh, you have? Okay. I have. I've seen him in, like, the group on horseback and all of that, so he's he's been there. Well, I know he's working on other projects, too, at the same time, with, like, one with his brother in particular. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, an iffiness to his presence and, and the way he's been taking certain shots. I don't know. Mm. I know. I, I have thoughts, but I just don't. I'm not 100% certain. Because mm. so, now you got me thinking, like, okay, See? maybe I should be paying attention. Conspiracy theory, just saying. <laughs> Boo-doo-doo-doo. Keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> could mean something, could mean nothing, but... And you guys keep your eyes peeled, too. Always. We, we need your help. Mm-hmm. And you should subscribe to our YouTube YouTube channel. Yes. I absolutely. haven't really begged you guys in 10 or so episodes, but we need your help. I will. I'll beg. You know? Well, I mean, yeah. But we have to do it more <laughs> frequently than we I know, have, we have to beg more. We have to beg more frequently. We have to yeah. beg more. We have to get on our knees and stop the praying and start the begging. Yeah. <laughs> We're done with the praying. That, that shit's over. <laughs> so, with that, everybody, I think it's time that we get our mid-season finale on Sunday. We will leave you with that and we will talk to you afterwards, calm you down, talk you through the moments. I think I need you to talk me through these moments, Carol. And I think we're going to be fine. It's going to be great. Hey, we've gotten through worse. We got through Glenn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And yes, we can. And yes, we can. Yep. (laughs) With that, everybody, we will see you later. See you next time. Bye, guys. 